Chicken Steph Curry with the shot. Ben cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Live from the 301. Live from the pot. I want to welcome my audience to episode number 142 of Curry in the Pot. I'm your host, I'm your guy, Mike Curry, and I'm back with another episode. And last week, I had a very special preview of my guy, the co-producer of Curry in the Pot, Mr. B. Jones. He came through and we did our third annual NFL season preview, man. So shouts out to B. Jones uh, for coming on the show and coming through again. Um, but we also got him back this week and I also got another guest. Um, obviously, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're tuning in on a DSP, you know, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you're tuned in, you can obviously see through the title that I'm not here alone. So I want to welcome back my brother again for another week, man. My brother, the co-producer, man. I say this every single time he comes on the show because it's so, so true. And, and I'm going to keep saying it. So I might as well get used to me saying it, man. Without this guy, I wouldn't be doing this show. Curry in the Pot would not be where it is. And I, I really don't even know if 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 I had this show without him, man. So welcome back, my brother, the co-producer of Curry in the Pot, Mr. B. Jones. B. Jones, what it do? It's good, man. You know, I wasn't even supposed to be on here, but I hit you. Because you know, I'm like, because we're supposed to talk NBA too. And mm-hmm. then week one, after we did the uh, previews, I'm just like, it's only, it's only right for me to come back on. And you was with it. So, you know, I'm, I'm blessed for you to allow me to be back on your platform. Of course, bro. You already know, man. You already know the vibes. And um, I'm having this guy back, man. It's been a very, very long time since I had him, man. I don't even... I don't even know the last time I had him on the show, man. But um, I want to welcome back a, a fan favorite of the show, man. I want to welcome back the 14-year-old phenom, my guy, Bink. Bink, what's going on, bro? Uh, nothing much. School just started. Been paying attention to sports. Absolutely, man. It's great to have you back on, man. Uh, we did do one episode before uh, with us three, man. So it was good to get that, that trio going again. But we got a ton of stuff to talk about, man. Whoo! Last night, you guys saw it. Monday night, we had Tuesday night, rather. I'm sorry. We had a game seven in the Western Conference. It probably shouldn't even have happened. But we had the Denver Nuggets defeating the Los Angeles Clippers, overcoming a 3-1 deficit. Guys, talk to me. Talk to me. I'm going to get it going. But you guys talk to me first. I guess I'll start. I mean, I don't even like, I don't honestly, I don't even know what to say because it's like part of me, it's, it's hilarious to me that they lost, especially in the in the way that they lost mm-hmm. because like just of how people were talking about the Clippers the whole year, like saying like the clip, like the, basically the title is running through the Clippers. Obviously, that's because Kawhi, who played for the defending champion Raptors, he moved to the Clippers. So I can understand it for that reason, but the tone that people was talking about the Clippers and they were saying, like they were saying that like the Lakers were the suspect one. And then you see this happen to the Clippers. But a little, a little bit part of me is disappointed as well because I did want to see a Lakers and the Clippers conference finals. Like the Nuggets and the Lakers is not like, it's not as appealing on paper. But I mean, mm-hmm. I'm at a loss for words. I, I don't even know. Like it's, completely unacceptable and it's an abomination like I don't even know how that happened like how they went up from being 3-1 it's like this is a complete mismatch they're gonna walk to the finals then the Lakers end up finishing their series before 
and then the oh. Clippers ultimately lose. Like I don't like is I don't even know. Like I don't even know what to say. Pink, what's your thoughts, man? I mean, Montrez Harrell was their leading scorer last night. He and he only had twenty. They score eighty nine as a team. Like, I'm, how are you supposed to championship contender and Montrez Harrell is your leading scorer? Like, I mean, we all know what happened with Paul George last night. He had the shot that hit off the side of the backboard. I think he got around like eleven points for the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Um. Let me get into this, man. I, I want to dive deep, man. I've been seeing all the jokes, all the videos, all the memes, and it, it's been hilarious, man. As a Lakers fan, it's super hilarious, and, it, and it's kind of ironic, man, because I, I feel like people were worried about the Lakers more than they were worried about the Clippers. Like, the Mavericks did give the Clippers a scare, but we're like, you know, they're going to be fine. They, they should beat the Nuggets in, like, five. I'm pretty, And, and that's what it looked like was going to happen. They were up 3-1. So we assumed that the series was over in five, and they actually had a 17-point lead in game five. So we just assumed that, you know, the Clippers is going to get these dudes out of the way, and they're going to be waiting for the Lakers. That did not happen. Um, They blew multiple double-digit leads. And I got to give credit to the Nuggets, though, man. I got to give credit um, to Mike Malone. Um, He's been a good head coach. Um, Jokic has been great. Jamal Murray, who... I'm still not completely sold on. It's been spectacular. And I actually got to shout out my dad because he said anything can happen in this type of format. You know, Tink, you don't have to travel to the road. You don't have to, you know, the Denver didn't have to go to L.A. L.A. didn't have to go to Denver and play in the altitude. You know, nobody had home court advantage at all. I mean, you had family members were able to show up this round, but there was no advantage. There was no advantage. And my dad said, you know, anything could happen in an AAU-style format. I'm just, I'm still processing this. But, you know, it's kind of crazy, man. When the Clippers put t- together this team, you know, they, they gave up the whole future to get Paul George. They gave up four first-round picks. They gave up, you know, that, that's the farm pretty much. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a nice young player. Gallinari is a solid player in this league. You give up all that just to get Paul George, and he doesn't even show up. He scores 10 in Game 7. Kawhi Leonard, um, arguably the best player in the NBA. People like Max Kellerman said Kawhi was the best player in the NBA. He scores 14 last night. You know, he's had this whole series in the second half, in the fourth quarter, he was bad. Like, historically bad. Like, shooting 30% in those fourth quarters. And it's just, it's just crazy, man. I guess... This is just another one of those classic examples where just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean you're going to win. And I just feel like I have this not really I not really animosity towards the Clippers, but just because once they put together the team, they just made it seem like, oh, it's a done deal. We're going to win. You know what I'm saying? So that, that that's the way they went about it. And unfortunately... They got bounced and lost to, I guess, a better team. Because obviously the Clippers have better talent, but the better team prevailed. Um, any more final thoughts on the series, guys? I mean, we got to look at the coaching at Doc Rivers. I mean... That was my next question. That's the elephant in the room. I mean, he he did win that championship with the Boston Celtics. But, I mean, they even look at that team. They, they did all those moves to assemble that 
quote unquote super team. They did appear in two finals, but they only won one. And since then, Doc Rivers' track record has looked similar to somebody like a Dwayne Casey. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In terms of production, he hasn't reached the Eastern Conference Finals with a multitude with a multitude of talent. I just can't help but think if somebody like like a uh, like a Nick Nurse or Eric Spoelstra had that same amount of talent, like what would they have done? I mean, we saw the blown three-one lead against the Rockets, 2015. Um, we saw it this year. You know what I'm saying? And even in handling the team this year, when you have so many pieces that you can play at one time, I think that can be a detriment because it's like, are you, if Paul George is off, are you really going to sit Paul George for Morris or Lou Will in the clutch? Because it's like, you pay him this big contract, you can't really sit him. But sometimes, I mean, if he's not getting it done, you got to, like, as you being the head coach, like, you got to make that decision. So, and we've seen other coaches do that before, but I mean, kind of Doc was just like, oh, yeah, we're going to get through it. We're going to get, even after the game six, he was like, I mean, we good. Like, we're going to get through it. And he didn't really adjust. It's like, just mm-hmm. even Paul George out there when he's not here. Lou Will wasn't really productive in the series. He's still playing him big minutes, and he's a liability on defense. So it's just like, you have to call in the, you have to uh, call in. Doc Rivers coaching, you have to question that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, so the dialogue that I basically wanted to have is, is he an overrated coach? And, you know, with all the points you just made, I think there's a legitimate argument that he could be a bit overrated. I mean, he his name just carries weight. You know, former player. Um, he did broadcasting for some time. Um, had the Celtics and won a championship in 2008, but that's 12 years ago. Pink was two years old, you know. <laughs> like just to put it, just to put that in quick perspective, that was a long time ago. 2008, man, we were we were still in middle school, you know. So that's a long time ago, and you know to be, co- be coaching those those good Clippers teams, you know, he had Chris Paul. Um, he had prime Chris Paul. You know, Chris Paul was at the time where he when he first joined the Clippers, and I think Vinny Del Negro was the coach at first. But when Doc Rivers took over that team, Chris Paul was still arguably the best point guard in the league, and Blake Griffin was a top five power forward at the time. You know, you still had Tim Duncan, Bosch, guys like Amari Stoudemire, and you know Kevin Love. But Blake Griffin was right around in that mix. DeAndre Jordan, you guys remember they went all the way and locked them in a room <laughs> just to keep them on the team, like. I don't understand, man. Doc Rivers, you know, I feel like his best coaching job besides the 018 and was maybe even last year where they had nobody. They, you know, the team was led by Lou Williams and Trez and Pat Bev. That that might be his best coaching job. And that was just taking the Warriors to, what, six games? <laughs> so, I don't know, man. We got we to gotta at least put this dialogue in people's minds that Doc Rivers may be overrated. Um, I mean, where would – where would you say he's rated right now? Because when I look at him, I don't really consider him a top five coach. No, he's not top five. No, I'm saying like, where do you like? Where do you think like he's regarded like not not like nationally? Because me personally, I don't say I wouldn't say he's overrated because I don't personally have him like I don't view him as like a top five person. You know, well, what I'm I think. I mean, I think his reputation is kind of like top five ish, but 
I mean, that's going to happen when you have a title. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, you automatically going to get that bump. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think, I, I think the general census is that everybody views him as a top five coach. Okay. But, you know, we were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago. We were like, yeah. Spolstra's top five. Rick Carlisle's yeah. top five. You know, guys yeah. like Nick Nurse um, are top five. Like, I mean, I think it's, I think it's different types of coaches too. You know, it's mm-hmm. like locker room coaches, like they gel the locker room together. And then you have like superior X and O, O's kind of guys like a Rick Carlisle, Spolstra, Nick Nurse. And then you got your like locker room guys like Dan Tony and uh, Doc Rivers, people like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, a Mark, like, yeah, like a Mark Jackson. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't really, they don't really like make adjustments or like, X and O's or call plays and nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, people just like to play for them. So, right. to me, I got, like, Doc Rivers and, like, that Dan Tony type of tier. Like, I don't have him, like, in, like, a top five. But that's just okay. For sure. I agree with you, man. Uh, Bink, you got any final thoughts on this particular subject? Not really. I think Doc Rivers should be regarded in, like, that second, maybe even third tier of coaches. He's nowhere near the top five in my mind. Okay. Yeah, I got him like second tier, like like second, like middle second tier, like. Yeah, oh. same. That, that's where I'm at with it. All right, so let's move on, man. And the Nuggets, they will be facing the Los Angeles Lakers. So I want to touch on the Lakers real quick, mm-hmm. and um, they got a, got the Rockets out of there in five. Um, I thought this series, I thought it was gonna go six, especially after the Rockets had won Game One. I said, you know, this thing might go six, but the Lakers turned it on, man. They made the proper adjustments. They took their bigs pretty much out of the lineup. JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard um, didn't really play at all the remainder of the series. They brought inserted Marquis Morris into the lineup. Um, Rajon Rondo, he came back this series. He was absolutely phenomenal in this series. Um, we saw some playoff Rondo, man. And Marquis Morris even had some good games. So I like that adjustment. But the, the question more so is what's next for the Rockets? What do you guys think they should do? Mike D'Antoni already informed the team that he's not coming back. What do you guys think is next for the Houston Rockets? Um, yeah, before I start, I just want to say, yeah, that adjustment by the Lakers was big to, like, start playing small because you saw, like, that's, like, one of the keys of where their offensive struggles that they had throughout their season was coming from was having non-shooters on the floor. And then Danny Green and KCP, you can't rely on them every night to hit their shots. So when you got them on the floor, got Dwight and JaVale, like, if they're not hitting their shots, the offense is going to be stagnant, So which we saw in game one. But once they made that adjustment and then LeBron and AD were on for the rest of the series, it was curtains for them. But as far as the Rockets, I don't know, because I kind of see them, they're in a similar situation to what Philly is in the East. You know what I'm saying? You got two stars that their games might not necessarily mesh but that team is locked in. So it's like, what do you do? Like, I don't think anybody, you could say trade Westbrook, but I don't think anybody would take him. And two, um, James Harden, they've been moving his, his second piece around for years and it's been the same result. So it's like, what is really the result? I think, I think they've reached their ceiling. Like, to be honest, like they're going to be like, a, maybe like a second round, type of team I don't see anything that can happen for them to be a championship contender I think that's they're just are what they are 
Okay. Uh, Bink, what about you? Um, I agree with B. Jones in the sense of there's not much the Rockets can do because even if you can just say Trey Westbrook or Trey Harden, but what team is really going to want them? The only team I could think of is probably the Knicks because that's just how desperate the Knicks are. But it's kind of like you're in a catch-22. The thing with the Sixers are, even if they wanted to trade Benson or B, people will actually be inclined to trade for them. Nobody's going to want Harden because I feel like Harden is his own system where he needs other players around him to shoot the ball and just stand where they need to be. And Westbrook, people could say all they want about him, but he does sometimes hunt for his stats. And I don't know where he would fit anywhere else but Houston. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they kind of locked down for, for Yeah. Yeah, I think so too, man. Um, Westbrook, I think they they both have super max deals. Yeah. So I think honestly, they might have to give up picks and trade the player if they want to move off of Westbrook. But they already gave up their picks to get them. So yeah, like, and they already yeah. gave up picks to do it. That's what I'm saying. Um, they, 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 they're kind of stuck, man. They're kind of stuck. It, it, it unfortunately it sucks. Um, because before the season had shut down, Russell Westbrook was playing a really, really good stretch of basketball. Uh, you know, in like January, he had a really good stretch as far as efficiency. And um, the you know season stops. Um, he gets injured, a quad injury, and he he looked like a shell of himself the whole time. Yeah, I don't know if that injury was still hurting him, but still at the same time, even if it was, like you seen the past few playoffs, how he went out. The same with Harden. Uh, I mean, if you look at Harden's stats, like I know they say he's a playoff choker. His overall stats aren't really that bad, but it's like once you get to those elimination games, like it's just like he don't like he don't like that dog that you see in Jimmy Butler. You don't really see in him. So I think that's more so what it is with him. And Westbrook is just like he just tries to do too much. So it's like like even if he was hurt, it's like we've seen. Him choking, the him healthy, yeah. So, yeah. and we mm-hmm. seen Harden choking the playoffs before. So it's like you can't really give them the benefit of the doubt. It's just like they are what they are. You yeah, know for sure. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, Bink, you got anything? Because just further on um, B Jones' point, if Harden doesn't get that block on Lou Dort, people are still going to call him a playoff choker. I think he shot like four for thirteen in that game or something. Yeah. And had a bunch of turnovers. I think. I think talent prevailed them in that series. I don't even. It, it, it's just it's just overall talent because OKC they they pushed them as far as they could with the players in the roster that they had. But you know they the Rockets just had better players. Unfortunately, that that's that's literally what happened because I I could have easily saw the Thunder you know winning Game Seven. It easily could have went like that. But you know talent you know, help prevail and get them past that round. But as you saw in the next round, um, that talent ain't enough. <laughs> That's and, and that system and that style of play isn't enough. And Mike D'Antoni is now out. I don't even know. Like, if you get a new head coach, it's not much you can really do with that roster. As you guys just said, it's pretty much locked in. They have to play a certain way. Like- exactly. They have to play a certain way. So I really don't know, man. Um, I give credit to Daryl Morey, though. I mean, he at least tries. If something's yeah. not working, he at least – he's going to make a move. He's going to try. But I just don't know. I just don't know, man. I'm, I'm not going to say, you know, nothing can happen. Everything is off the table. But I, I just – I kind of just don't see it at this present moment. 
I feel like the peak of that system was during the Warriors era, but they couldn't get past the Warriors. Like, if the NBA was normal that, during that time and there was, like, no, like, Warriors with KD, I could have seen them maybe, like, sneaking one, like, maybe sneaking to a championship. Yeah, they could have got to the finals for sure. Yeah. But now it's like, now the Lakers are back up. The Clippers, they might be. Then you got the Warriors coming back next year. The Nuggets are tough too. So it's like, it's kind of like, I think that's why I say their ceiling is kind of like a second round. Maybe they might be able to sneak to a Eastern, uh, Western Conference Finals. It, the, the Rockets could get bounced in the first round next yeah, year. That's what, yeah, that's it. Um, you know, Dallas is still. Yeah, know, Dallas too. So And Porzingis, they might. Even try to Portland make, went healthy. You got Portland went healthy. So, yeah, this was, this honestly might have been the Rockets' best chance outside of that 2018 series yeah. where they lost to the Warriors in seven. This might have been their best chance. For sure. Uh, but let's move on, man. Uh, we, got, we got the Eastern Conference Finals. It begun last night. The Miami Heat won in overtime, man. Bam Adebayo had a magnificent block um, down the stretch in that game in overtime. And that – that pretty much sealed it for them, man. I know Jason Tatum did get up a prayer towards the end of the game, but uh, Miami, they won again, man. They've only lost two, what is it, two games in the playoffs? Mm. So they've been playing some great No, battles. one. One game. One game. Is it one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they lost two. Uh, yeah, they lost that game. Yeah, the, they only lost to the Bucks, Bucks once. That's right. They only lost to the Bucks once. So, yeah, they, they, they're still, they're still super hot, man. They're still super hot. Um, Big, I'm going to start with you on this topic because you are actually a Celtics fan. Um, what are your takes on game one? And what do you think um, the rest of the series, how you think it's going to go? And what adjustments would you like to see Brad Stevens make? Well, the first thing I'm going to say, it's not only just a game one thing, but for this whole entire playoff stretch, I want to at least see Jalen Brown get a chance to get the ball in the clutch because it seems like every game, if it goes down to the wire, there's a Jason Tatum ISO, then a Kemba Walker ISO, then Jason Tatum ISO again. And it's just like, it hasn't really been working in those close clutch games. <laughs> or I just want to see Jalen defense, but really to even allow the game to go into overtime. And then in overtime, he had the and one on Jason Tatum, which that, if that wasn't a foul, I don't even know what the rest would have been doing. But yeah, Jason Tatum got the prayer at the end. It didn't go in. And furthermore, in the series, I think we could take them to seven, but I felt like we needed to win game one to win the series. Yeah, um, you were kind of breaking up a little bit, but I, I pretty much got the gist of what you were saying. Uh, B. Jones, what's your thoughts on the series? Um, I got the Miami Heat winning this in six. Um in game one, I saw some of the same things I saw from the uh, from the Celtics in the series with the Raptors, which I actually thought that the Raptors would beat them, but they didn't get anything from Pascal Siakam the whole series. But the issue I saw with the Celtics in that series was the failure to close out games. Like, we would see Kemba or Jason Tatum start the game hot, hot but as the game gets to that, those closer stretch, those clutch, those clutch moments towards the end of the game, it's like they started to like disappear. Even a game, game like games, the Raptors, the Raptors won Game Six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Game Six and Game Seven. Even first of all, the game where they won the um off the like the fluke shot, or whatever, they had no business winning that game. 
Game seven had no business being in overtime. The Raptors had no business winning game six. So, like, if the Celtics were, like, playing how they should be, that series should have been over in five max. But those late game issues, like Bank was saying, with Kemba, the Kemba ISO, the Jason Tatum ISO, those predictable plays, even last night when they had the, they got the uh, Marcus Smart flop, then they get a chance, the game is tied, they have a chance to win the game. Jason Tatum, they're in the bonus. Jason Tatum doesn't even attack the basket. He just shoots a step back three. I think mistakes like those, like if they continue to accumulate, they will they will cost the uh, the Celtics that series. And I think that the, the Heat, they don't they just they got that dog in Jimmy. They got that alpha, and they just continue to play hard. Like no matter how much they're down, even with that comeback last night. So I think just off the of strength of that, I think I I can see them winning in like six. Yeah, um, B. Jones, I actually totally agree with everything that you said. And um, I just think for the Celtics, I just think last night they should have won that game. Yeah. And every time they get a, a, a remarkable performance from Marcus Smart, it, you gotta win that. Those game. are like must wins because, like, we've seen the Marcus Smart. He had six threes last night. I'm looking at it right now. He had 26 points. When you have a Marcus Smart game like that, you have to win that because the next game he might score nine points and shoot four for twelve. Because he's not really, he's not as gifted as an offensive player as, you know, some, some of his other teammates. So I, I thought, you know, when Marcus Smart is having that good of a game, you have to win that. Um, to Bink's credit, though, to his point, at the end of games, pretty much just Tatum ISO, Kimba ISO. It's no, it's no set plays. There's nothing really called. And I don't know if that's, I, mean, that might, I might have to attribute that to coaching. Cause it's just like, all right, we're just gonna let Tatum ISO and and live with that. And I mean, it worked sometimes. We saw Kimba hit a tough uh, ISO shot um, when Tyler Hero was guarding him, but those shots don't always. It doesn't. It doesn't work like that. And my dad has been saying this for a while. The Celtics shoot too many jump shots. Like w- when they're hitting their shots, they're almost unbeatable. But when they're not hitting their shots, which I think there's gonna be a game where they're not hitting their shots. And, you know, they're going to lose like that. Um, but for the Heat, man, I got to give credit when credit is due. Shout out to Eric Spolstra. Um, Jay Crowder had a really good game last night. He had 22. Um, I was a little worried about Bam at first because I was like, I was watching. I was like, Bam doesn't, the way he plays sometimes, he doesn't play like how talented he really is. I don't think he realizes how good he is because I just felt like he could take Tice whenever he wanted to if, if, if he really tried to. But I mean, Tice is solid, though. Tyson's solid. I ain't even gonna say. He is solid. But I guess that's not just I guess that's not really how their offense flows because Jimmy Butler, he doesn't take a high volume of shots. I think Goran Drogic led the team in shot attempts and he had a good game last night. Um Yeah, Jimmy wasn't even on last night. Yeah, so Jimmy was not a, on. If you get a game when Jimmy is on and like somebody like Smart is off, like it could get it could get scary, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, like a game. A game like last night when they were hitting most of their shots, like they gotta win those games. For sure, man. I think And man, last think, night we had a Grant Williams three taken in the clutch. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Y'all even got some good um minutes from Wanamaker last night. I, I was concerned about the heat, man. Yeah. Like, so everything was just going good for them and then the heat just roared back. 
Um, they made that late push. Because I've kind of noticed, you know, Jimmy Butler, he doesn't play the start of the fourth quarter. He doesn't come in to like the six or seven minute mark. But when he does come in, like the energy is just different. It's just like totally different. It's like, all right, let's go. Let's make one final push. Like I can't envision any game where the Heat get blown out. <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. I just can't see it because they just got, they just got that grit. They they play with a lot of grit and they just feed off of Jimmy Butler, man. I really I really like this bunch, man. I really I really like this team, man. I I'm low key a Heat fan. <laughs> I, I love the way Jimmy's been playing. I love the way like. I ain't really have an opinion on him going to Miami. Like, I was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Like, I didn't think they was going, like, I didn't definitely didn't think they would be in a conference finals. But Yeah, like, I didn't think so either. I actually gave Jimmy Butler a lot of, I, I, I was hard on him for making that decision on this very podcast. I was like, yo, like you said, you're about winning and you want to win a championship, but you go to Miami and yeah. look at me eating my words, man. I mean, he was right because I mean, if you look at the organizations that he left, the previous two, the Timberwolves and the and the forty uh, seventy sixers, I mean, they've shown through their moves they aren't like really the winning Heat, organizations. The Heat might be the best um, run organization in basketball. Yeah, if not, they're definitely up there. But I I think they might have the best uh, run organization. Like even when they're not, you know, this good of a team, they're usually like still interesting though. Even after LeBron, like they were still playing tough, like they weren't terrible. Right. Um, any any final comments on this series before we uh, move on to NFL? No, nah, I think that's all I got. NBA. All right. So, um, week one is in the books, guys. And excuse me, last week I had B Jones on, and we predicted week one. I went eleven and five on the picks. B Jones went twelve and four. Shout out to B Jones. Unfortunately. I'm going to say this now. We we recorded last week on Monday. Von Miller tore. What did he hurt? What did he tear? Like a, something in his uh, ankle, like a tendon or something. Yeah, it's like, it's like a tendon in his ankle. So ankle we, if, if we knew that on Monday, you know, if we knew he was going to get hurt, or if we were recorded Tuesday or Wednesday, we would have we wouldn't have picked the Broncos at all. So that was a game that kind of counted against us. But um. Let's go ahead and um, recap week one, man. So we had the Chiefs taking on the Texans last week. And the Chiefs pretty much just picked up where they left off, honestly. Yeah. Um, they're on like a nine or ten game winning streak dating back to last year. Um, Patrick Mahomes didn't even have a crazy game. But I think the story in that game was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, man. And I, I knew this guy had a chance to be good. And Bink's probably going to toot his own horn in a little bit. <laughs> And talk about how he had the Chiefs taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire way before the draft. Um, but he's the big story, man. He had 25 carries for 138 yards and a TD. Um, Sammy Watkins was actually the leading receiver for the Chiefs. And they just showed that they can come at you in ways, man. And I just – only team I really see giving the Chiefs trouble is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, final score in this one was 34-20. to 20. You guys got any thoughts? The Chiefs played – like how they left off. I mean, Clyde Edwards and Larry, like you said, I had him going to the Chiefs. Um, he proved me right. I mean, he was the Chiefs running back. He can catch out the backfield and he can definitely run run like we saw on Thursday. Yep. Uh B Jones. Um, yeah, I mean the Chiefs was really on cruise control the whole night. Yeah. Like they weren't like 
Like Pat, like you said, Pat Mahomes wasn't like he was having an efficient night, but he wasn't really doing anything crazy. He was playing under control. And if Clyde Edwards Hilaire can like if they can if that can be a consistent element in their offense, like I know it'll always be a threat in the passing game, but if they can control the the uh the game from the ground, like they're gonna be like unstoppable. Like it's gonna be like nearly impossible to beat them. But yeah, I don't I mean like we didn't we didn't we didn't predict the Chiefs having any kind of setback this year. So, I mean, yeah. kind of what I expected. As far as the Texans, um, I think I saw the issues some that I talked about in the season preview. That defense is a problem. They can't get – you can't rely on them to get stops. I mean, you could probably rely on them, like, against teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, teams with mediocre offenses and stuff like that. But against teams, teams like division, yeah. yeah, but like teams like the Chiefs, and you might be able to like shut down the Titans if they're off Derrick Henry not on. But it's like teams like the Chiefs, and even teams like the Ravens with high octane offenses. I think they're not going to be able to keep up, no matter what Deshaun does. So, right, yeah, I think that'll be a consistent problem for them throughout the season. I agree. Uh, let's move on to the Sunday slate, man. We had a lot of good games. And me and B. Jones actually predicted another game correctly, but this was an upset. Um, the Washington football team um, started off the season 1-0, beating the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm pretty sure B. Jones picked this game uh, this, for the same reasons I picked it. The Eagles are banged up. Um, Lane Johnson was inactive. Um, Miles Sanders, um, they said he was inactive on Saturday, way before me and B. Jones even predicted. I mean, way after me and B. Jones predicted. Um, they also lost Brandon Brooks for the season. So their whole right side of the offensive line was gone. They had three guys who I think I think a couple were undrafted. And I, it kind of went exactly how I thought it was going to go. But if you would have told me the Eagles would go up 17-0 um, a half, I didn't think the Washington football team and, – and to never score again, I didn't think the Washington football team um, had that inside of them to come back and win 27-17, score 27 unanswered. Are we talking about the same team? Like, I just didn't see that happening. But um, credit to the defense, man. The D-line is the strength of that team. They got eight total sacks. Chase Young had a sack and a half in his debut, a forced fumble as well. Ryan Kerrigan only played 22 snaps, but he had two sacks in this game. Was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. They just got a lot of dudes, man, on that D-line. Four first-round picks. Payne, Allen, Chase Young, Kerrigan. Montez Sweat, he also got in on the action. Um, John Bostic had a big sack on that fourth down play. Um, I got to give credit to this defense, man. Even the DBs played well. Jimmy Moreland had a pick. Also, Fabian Moreau had a pick. They just were all over Carson Wentz, especially in that second half. Um, anybody else have any final thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, so yeah, I picked, like I said, I picked Washington because the Eagles were banged up. The game didn't actually go how I thought it would go. I thought it would be like a defensive battle throughout like a 17-13 kind of game. Uh, once the Eagles went up 17-0, I thought it was over. But I think the injuries on the offensive line and also the uh, Miles Sanders missing really hurt the Eagles because they couldn't, I mean, you got Boston Scott as your number one running back. So they couldn't, you know, they couldn't control the game from the ground. Once you get up 17 nothing, you got to kind of like control the game from the ground. They're still dropping back, went a lot, and then 
he just started making a bunch of mistakes. He got he had three turnovers, two picks, and a fumble. So that gave Washington life, giving Dwayne Haskins a short field. A bunch of times he didn't really have to drive the length of the field. I gotta give him credit because he 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 worked he worked with what he was given and was they were able to put up twenty seven points. I know that was a team that I said that might struggle to put up a lot of points this year, but they took they took care of business this week and they took uh, advantage of the opportunities that they were given. So hats off to them. Yes, sir. Thanks. I mean, the Washington football team, they played great this week. Um, they're giving me like 2018 Bears vibes. Um, I think Haskins is a better quarterback than Trubisky. So a quarterback a bunch of times. Carson Wentz started to make mistakes and that's ultimately what helped the Washington football team in this game. Okay. Um, next game, we had the Patriots um, defeating the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Cam Newton had his debut with New England Patriots. We saw him score twice on the ground. Um, I don't really have, you know, huge thoughts about this one. Um, it kind of really went how I thought it would go. And, I mean, that's what happens when you have Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. He's, he's a bit wildly inconsistent. He threw three interceptions in this game. Um what are your quick thoughts? I'm sure nobody really has too much to say about this one. Um, yeah. I'm sure we all picked the Patriots to win. So, uh, real quick, what y'all got? Yeah, I was tuning this one because I was interested to see how uh, the Patriots would look with Cam on the center. I don't think that the way that they won this game uh, was a sustainable method through all, over the course of the whole season. I mean, Cam had 15 rushing attempts, 20 passing attempts, but I think like I, I think uh, what well, like we were texting earlier. I think they need to add like another receiver, some type of speed element to their offense. Like they got Julian Edelman; he's cool for slants and underneath routes, but they don't really have a home run threat. So I feel like if they want to like unlock this offense even more, they need to add some type of receiver. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do against Seattle this week. That'll be another test of uh, where the Patriots are at. Got anything, big? Uh, I just think that looked how I thought the Patriots offense was going to look against a team like the Dolphins. Um, they had over like 200 something rushing yards in after for them. Yeah. Um, what's the next game? We had the Minnesota Vikings um, falling to the Green Bay Packers. I actually didn't even remember that I picked the Packers to win this game, but, uh, the big story in this one was it was a lot of offense, man. And Devontae Adams, he had a spectacular game receiving, man. It's like he was open almost the whole game, man. He played really well. Um, Kirk Cousins, he didn't look good at first, but the Vikings offense, they they ended up getting some life. Um, it kind of seems like Green Bay owns Minnesota in a sense, though. Uh, final score was 43-34. to 34. Um, What are your quick takes on this game, guys? Um, I think Kirk Cousins had like five passing attempts at the half. Um, so that was kind of one of my concerns with them coming into the season because this is kind of how their offense was playing last year. And you don't even have like that over the top threat, like that speed threat and Stefan Diggs anymore. So, I mean, I guess they're going to be running the offense through Dalvin Cook. Which I mean, I guess it's gonna be feast or famine. If he's on, the offense will look good. But if they're not getting a lot of production in the ground game, then we'll see kind of like offensive outings like we saw in that game. But uh, the Packers' offense look good. Uh, the receivers, besides Devontae Adams, were getting involved as well. So 
that'll be interesting to see if they can keep that up. Um, yeah, for the Vikings, we knew the corners weren't going to be good. And then Everson Griffin, we knew he was gone. But then Daniel Hunter was a scratch for this game. And they couldn't get no pressure at all, even with bringing in Yannick and Gakwe. They just couldn't get any pressure at all on Rodgers. And not to mention that their cornerbacks were horrible this game. So they gave up 43 points. And even though they got 34 points, it wasn't really a great offensive performance. It was a lot of garbage time points. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, next game, we had the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Final score in this one was 38 to 25. Another game that me and B. Jones got um, correct. Russell Wilson had four touchdowns in this game, man. Um, seems like he got everybody involved. I know DK Metcalf caught one. I think Tyler Lockett. Did he catch someone? Oh, Chris Carson caught two. No, Tyler Lockett didn't catch. Chris Carson caught two from Russell Wilson. Um, for the Falcons, Todd Gurley, he had a solid debut early on, but it kind of quieted down. Um, but Calvin Ridley and Julio, they played well. But um, final score in this one was 38 to 25. It kind of went how I thought it would go. Um, what's your quick thoughts, guys? Yeah, this game went how I thought uh Falcons, uh, their cornerback position is still a problem for them as it was last year. Um, Russell Wilson, you know, they, they didn't really have a problem putting up points. Uh, their defense gave up a bunch of yards. I think that uh, Matt Ryan had over 400 yards. I think he had yeah. around 450. So I'll be interested to see how that continues to play out for like in terms of yards and points given up for that defense. Jamal Adams looked really good, though. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Falcons they have a lot of talent on offense, so I, maybe this might be an outlier for that Seattle defense, but I'll be interested to see how like, how they play moving forward. Um, if the Falcons didn't have different uniforms, you wouldn't tell me that wasn't the same team from last season. I mean, they did nothing. They did basically nothing in the first half but move the ball. They can move the ball, but they can't move the chains. Like, Matt Ryan always throws for a lot of yards, gets a couple of touchdowns, but they can never win games mainly because their defense is just that bad. That's true, man. Dan, Dan Quinn coach football team. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right, next game, we had the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, taking on the Carolina Panthers. This game was actually really, really interesting, man. A lot of points scored in this one. The final score was 34 to 30. Um, I actually didn't really catch much of this game, but looking at the numbers, Josh Jacobs, he did have three touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey, he had two touchdowns. Um, Robbie Anderson had a nice uh, Carolina debut. Um, it just looked like a bunch of points scored in this one, man. Um, I see the Raiders won, though, 34-30. They got the job done. Um, it's a new era of Las Vegas, um, which I think, man. Uh, yeah, I saw like a few clips of this game on Red Zone. Uh, they were both both offenses look solid. Uh, uh, the Panthers, I think, like they they had like a fourth and inches like in the clutch, like it on did, their yeah. last drive, they didn't give it to McCaffrey. They gave it to like a fullback. So, people uh, I saw people were upset about that. But I mean, you know, it's Matt Rule's first year, so you know, he'll, he'll adjust to decisions like that. Uh, I forgot about Jonathan Abram. I like I, he was making some plays out there. Yeah, so I'll be I'll be I get, I won't be watching any Raiders game, but you know I'll, I'll be checking on to see what he's doing because I like the way that he plays. Yeah, for sure. Me too, man. I think my thoughts on this game is that 
actually like that Carolina looked like they had an offense outside of McCaffrey, but I don't know if that's just more of the Raiders defense being bad. I mean, Vegas impressed me because at the end of the game, Henry Ruggs got hurt in like the second quarter, I want to say, and they still put up around 34 points. So Yeah. Yeah, they don't really have a lot of weapons, man. Um, Tyrell Williams is out for the season. They do have Darren Waller. They drafted Ruggs, and they have Josh Jacobs, but they don't really have a lot of weapons. And, you know, Derek Carr, he's all right. But, yeah, I was impressed to see, you know, them, their offense still put up points, man, and, um, you know, Derek Carr to lead them. Um, next game. One more thing. That Panthers, that Panthers defense is bad. Oh, yeah, it's I'd bad. That. It's, it's so that will be a problem for them. Go yeah, I think um, – I think the Buccaneers, even though they struggled against the Saints, they're going to put up some points on the uh, Panthers. Yeah, they'll have a good week this week. Yeah. Um, next game, though, uh, didn't really wasn't really a surprise to any of us. We had the Buffalo Bills taking on the New York Jets. Um, the score makes the game look closer than what it was, but this game was never close. Final score was 27-17. to 17. The Bills pretty much, they were in cruise control, honestly, man, because I was, I was peeping it. And it just looked like they had control over the whole game. I mean, they were up 21 to three going into the half. So they pretty much controlled the game, controlled the whole pace, um, were able to run the ball effectively. Josh Allen ran it well. Um, they had those other backs. Stefan Diggs had a nice solid debut. Um, John Brown is showing, you know, what he did last year. Um, the Bills offense looked good, man. The defense looked even better, though. I don't really know what's going on with the Jets, man. They're a team that I have going maybe about 2-14, and 3-13. and 13. They're going to be bad. Um, Le'Veon Bell is now expected to miss a couple of weeks. The Jets are not going to be a good football team. And, you know, they haven't really gave Sam Darnold the requisite weapons out there. I mean, his best receiver right now is Jamison Crowder because Brashad Perriman and the rookie Denzel Mims didn't play in that game. But I got to give credit to the Bills, man. They wanted to make a statement. Um, they finally have Tom Brady out of their division. I'm sure they want to win this division. And like I said, man, they won 27 to 17, but the game really wasn't that close. Yeah, uh, Josh Allen looked good. Stefan Diggs got involved as well. That was good to see. And the Jets are Adam Gates football coach team. So I'm more <laughs> to say than that. <laughs> Buffalo is up 21 to nothing at one point in this game. This game was over well before. I think they were up 21 to nothing with like 10 minutes left in the second quarter. Um, Next game, we had the Bears-Lions. This game got interesting, and it got interesting late. And it, it shouldn't have gotten that way. But um, Mitch Trubisky threw three touchdowns, all three of his touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, and they ended up winning this one, 27 to 23. This was an NFC North showdown. And... Bears got it done. I didn't think they would win this one. Um, but, you know, those division games can always go out of the way. Um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I don't even know how the Bears came back because, like, like, I was watching the Red Zone. So, I saw the Lions were up cooking early. I was like, hey, that was my, that was my pick. They're looking good. <laughs> um, and then, next thing you know, I saw the, like, and Mitch Trubisky was mention, missing a bunch of uh, throws in the first half. I'm like, damn, we might see Nick Foles today. And then all of a sudden, uh, I come back, and then, like, the Bears are on a game-winning drive. Mr. Trubisky throws a game-winning touchdown. 
DeAndre Swift uh, drops the game when a touchdown. That could have been for the yeah. Lions. So I don't I don't know how the Bears came back. I don't know if it was like just bad coaching or the players or what. But I mean, hats off to them. They came back. So Lions continue to disappoint in uh, one possession games mm-hmm. last year. Same story. Think. No, what happened in that game was that the Lions got way too conservative early. They started running the football in the third quarter, although the Bears' defense looked bad. Matthew Stafford was slinging the ball all over them, and we saw that even happen on that final drive, although DeAndre Swift, like you said, B. Jones dropped the game-winning touchdown. But, yeah, I don't – Trubisky looked good for once. I mean, it's not really much to take away from that game. Yep. Um, Next game – Probably everybody's disappointment of the week. And this was the Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gardner Minshew. Yes, I'm saying this and I'm also reading it. Gardner Minshew was 19 for 20 in this game. Didn't pass for a bunch of yards, but 19 of 20 is still efficient. Had 173 yards and three touchdowns. Coach, what are you doing? What are you doing? This this is a division that is pretty much a wide open division year to year. And you guys can't even beat the absolute worst team in it. And one of the worst teams in football. I'm just not understanding. Um, Phillip Rivers, it's looking like the same old Phillip Rivers. You know what I'm saying? Just not being able to seal the deal and having, you know, inopportune turnovers, man. It's just like, bro, what are you doing? Like, like, what are you doing, man? I thought the Colts definitely were going to win this one. I didn't give the Jaguars a, sh- a shot in this game at all. Um, but they surprised me, man. They got the W, man, 27-20. to 20. Um, I know you guys got a couple of things to say on this one. Yeah, uh, this is a disappointment for me. Um, this is a Jaguars team. I said that was going to go 0-16. They win their first game against a team that I said was going to win the division. Um, I still got standing 10 toes down on my prediction <laughs> with the Colts. Um, even though Phillip Rivers, I don't that he didn't make me look trustworthy in week one. So I just gotta hope that this was an outlier. Um, but yeah, like we mentioned in the season preview about how many picks he threw last year, and we saw him throw one late this game. So, um, we just gotta see and, um, for the the Jaguars shouldn't even have been in position to win that game. Like the Colts, they got to put a team away like that early. But the Jaguars' defense there looks solid. So, but um, I'm still going. I'm gonna stick with my position. Uh, the Colts winning the division, but I don't have as much faith as, as I did in there before. I still think the Jaguars will be like a three to four win team, though. Yeah, I saw bits and pieces of this game, but every time it seemed it seemed like every time the Colts had a chance to put the game away, it just wasn't happening. Yeah. So yeah, the Phillip Rivers threw that picking with like four minutes left, and I'm that's when I was like, this game is over. Yeah, um, unfortunately for the Colts, they did lose this game, and they also lost running back Marlon Mack for the season. Um, that's a tough blow. But they're gonna need opportunities for Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines now. So we'll see how they produce. Um, next game, Ravens Browns. This was another one that I picked correctly. B. Jones picked it too. Um, seen, seen a rookie head coach, and I've seen a team with a bunch of talent in the Browns that just haven't put it together. 
I actually want B. Jones to to touch on this one a little more than I can because he kind of he kind of hit the nail on the head last week, man. He said he doesn't think that um Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham fit, and also there's trade rumors out that Odell might get traded. Um, final score was thirty eight to six. The Ravens they pretty much picked up where they left off outside of that playoff loss to the Titans. They look how, like how they did in the entire regular season last year, man. 38-6. Lamar was able to hook up with Mark Andrews. Also, Hollywood Brown. J.K. Dobbins got involved. Um, man, the Ravens just look... They just look good, man. Lamar, Lamar looks like he got better. And I know the Browns were a little banged up, but Lamar looks like he's got better, man. And Hopefully we can see it, and hopefully you know we can see him winning the playoffs. But final score in this one, man, week one game, thirty-eight to six. Yeah, the Ravens look pretty good. Uh, Lamar slinging it. Uh, we know he had a connection with Mark Andrews, but even got Hollywood over a hundred yards. Um, who said he was playing hurt last year? So Brown secondary was banged up. So it'll be interesting to see if that can continue moving forward. But yeah, Lamar had a pretty efficient day had around 275 passing yards and he wasn't even really running the ball that much. So he was just, he looked poised under control the whole day, had a great day. Um, uh, the run game was looking good as well. Everybody got involved, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. Um, as far as the Browns, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what I expected for them. Um, I think they'll be play better against some of the lesser teams in the league, but like against the Ravens and the Chiefs, type of teams I, I just don't think like I think they'll be able to talent themselves into some wins but I don't think they're a serious um contender um uh I gotta I gotta see I'm I gotta see I mean it was no off no preseason games so I gotta see as far as this Baker Mayfield and Odell connection but I mean I don't I don't really foresee it blossoming and I don't know if Baker continues playing like this I mean we gotta have that bus talk but Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll hold that off until the end of the season, but yeah. I knew this game was over on the second drive of the Browns for the Browns. Um, Baker Mayfield gave the Browns, Baker Mayfield gave the Ravens a short field when he threw the pick on the first drive. And then on the second drive, it ended with a fake punt resulting in a fumble that the punter wasn't even going to get the first down anyway. So now I was like, they gave the Ravens back-to-back short fields. It, it wasn't pretty for the Browns. Yeah. I agree. Um, next game, Chargers Bengals. Bengals almost pulled it off in the debut of Joe Burrow, number one overall pick in this draft. This game had a weird flow, and for the Chargers to even do anything this year, I'm kind of concerned. Tyrod looked like he looked like Tyrod, man. He had a Tyrod game. He doesn't he doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't. Um, create explosive plays like that. He's just, he's one of those two Bs that, that work really well with a good defense. Um, you know, he didn't turn the ball over, like I said, had 200 passing yards. Um, they, I'm kind of concerned, man. The Chargers, they they almost lost this game. I don't, they, they almost lost to the Bengals. I think I actually picked the Bengals to win, but the Chargers, I feel like they won this game kind of on their talent. They, they, they're more talented than the Bengals. So they won this game by three. I know Randy Bullock did, you know, blow that uh, field goal at the end. Um, but what are y'all thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was an ugly game. Uh, Tyrod looked like the Tyrod on the Bills, you know. 
like you said, just kept the game under control. Defense kind of willed them to a win. Uh, Joe Burrow didn't look too bad. He had an ugly pick when he tried to do that shovel pass. Got picked off by Mel Melvin Ingram, I think it was, and then could have sent it to OT and then uh, the shank field goal, which wasn't even a long field goal. But nothing really else to comment on but that. You know, it was an ugly game. Chargers snuck away with one. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Burrow looked like a veteran on that final drive. I mean, um, on the last, on the second to last play of the game, AJ Green got called for a question of call. I mean, which I actually like. Um, Randy Bullock kicked the field goal, missed it, grabbed his right calf, and then his left calf showed up on the injury report. So, yeah, I forgot about I don't know that. What that was about. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny, man. Um, next game. We had the Buccaneers and the Saints. Um, and this one, it, it didn't go exactly how I thought it would go, but I, I knew the Saints would win just based off of the continuity that they have. Me and B. Jones talked about this last week. The Buccaneers are one of those teams that do not benefit from this season because there's no preseason. You know, Tom Brady is on a new team for the first time in his career, and he wasn't able to quite get in sync with those guys. We saw interception, um, some miscommunication with him and Mike Evans. Then we saw another ugly pick um, where Jack Rabbit got the pick six. Um, it's going to take some time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I did say I got the Saints getting this one, but I think the Buccaneers will get them next time. Um, and the Saints, they, they, they look good, man. They did, they did took care of business and did what they had to do. I mean, this is a team that has aspirations of coming out of the NFC. So I expected them to take care of business. Unfortunately, in this game, Michael Thomas did get hurt, and he's going to miss a few weeks with a high ankle sprain. Um, fortunately for them, they do have Emmanuel Sanders, who is good enough to pick up the slack. And they still have Alvin Kamara, who was fresh off that new contract. Still got a tight end in Jared Cook. And Latavius Murray actually led the Saints in rushing, so he's solid too. Um but I think the Buccaneers will be all right. I don't want to overreact. They're, they'll be fine, man. It's definitely going to take some time for them um, to get right into jail. Yeah, I think, uh, like I was texting you, Tom Brady, he's not in NFC East. I mean, AFC East anymore. You're not getting the Jets and the Dolphins or like teams like that week one, getting those two nuts. I think even like even their first eight games last year, I think most of those teams were teams under 500. So, to start off with the Saints, after not having a preseason, that was a kind of a rough start for him. For him. But um, Saints defense looked good. Uh, they were aggressive, flying around. Jack Rabbit had that pick six. So it was good to see the uh, Saints defense playing like how we've seen them play the past few years. Um, the offense, Drew Brees wasn't really on like that. But I mean, they were, because the Bucks were turning over the ball, they didn't really have to drive the full length of the field that much. So they were getting short fields. And, um, you know, they did what they had to do. Uh, the Manuel Sanders signing showed up big. He had that touchdown late to kind of put the game away. But, um, yeah, Saints look, they look, they look good. Um, yeah, I mean, it just shows that they needed, they needed just a little bit more time. Gronk was non-existent in this game. Um, I think Chris Godwin and Mike Evans combined for four catches combined, and Mike Evans only had one, and that resulted, at least it resulted in a touchdown. But then even when, I think the Bucs got a penalty on a field goal, and then the ensuing kickoff happened from like the 50s, how do you run into each other? <laughs> like, 
How did that guy not see the other guy? It was it was it was a mess for the Bucks. Yeah, it was, man. Uh moving right along, we got a couple of more games. We have a game, we have another upset, man. Me and B. Jones caught this one. Uh Binky won it too. Um, we had the Cardinals defeating the 49ers, man. Final score 24 to 20. Um, me and Bing were watching it closely um down the stretch, man. That game game got kind of wild, man. I thought for a second that they were gonna lose because Zane Gonzalez missed two field goals, two critical field goals in this one, man. But the 49ers, they do have some guys out, Debo Samuel out, um, the rookie Brandon Ayuk, he's out. Um, they they just I don't know. I think they could potentially have a Super Bowl hangover. Me and B. Jones talked about it last week. And the Cardinals, man, they just showed... Well, DeAndre Hopkins just showed that he's special. And he's arguably the best receiver in the league, man. What did he have? 15 catches in his debut? 14, he, I think. 14? Like 14 for like 115. Let me see what it was. Um, he, he looked good. He had 14 for 151, man. He looked good. Kyler Murray, he looked good, man, passing the ball on the ground as well. Um, they look good, man. I think their offense still has some room for improvement, but the 49ers defense is still pretty good. So it's not like he they went against a bad defense and they didn't show up. But um I like the I like the potential of what the Cardinals could be this year. Um B Jones, you actually have them uh, making the playoffs or possibly competing for a playoff spot. Um, I think they can do that as well. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, man. They have a really interesting contest against the Washington football team, a game that um, maybe didn't sound as appetizing at first, but this is going to be a good one on uh, Sunday. What you guys think about this one, though, man? Yeah, I like I like what I saw from the Cardinals, a team that I think that will kind of be like the 49ers of last year. Not necessarily go to the Super Bowl, but just kind of slip under the radar. And catch people off guard, but um, yeah, I mean, I like, I like, I like what I saw from the defense as well. Uh, they were giving Jimmy G some problems. They uh, started out kind of shaky, gave up uh, that seventy-six yard touchdown to Raheem Mostert, but for the rest of the day, they looked solid. Uh, cornerbacks and safeties, DBs were making plays down the stretch. Uh, I forgot the guy's name that broke up like that last pass on fourth down. He made a few plays, the cornerback for them. Um, offense looked good, and they weren't necessarily like Kyler Murray. Like I think he had like twenty five completions, and like fourteen of them were to Hopkins. So they weren't even really spreading the ball around like that. But they looked good. Um, I like what I saw from them. As far as the Forty ers yeah, the injuries keep piling up for them. So I think it's just that's going to be like an issue for them throughout the season. Richard Sherman is hurt as well mm-hmm. now. So. Uh, and they didn't really they didn't get anything from their receivers, so I think I think it's just going to be a kind of a and um, George Kittle got hurt in this game as well. He's yep. expected to play next week, but he got hurt in this game as well. Yeah, so I think I think we're going to kind of see a step back from them this year. Um, I mean the Cardinals play the Cardinals play good. I mean the Forty Nine offense looks stagnant at points in this game. I think losing George Kittle halfway through this game really hurt them because that's Jimmy Garoppolo's safety valve. Um, they had a lot of injuries, like B. Jones said, Sherman on IR, George Kittle. He's not practicing this week, but he's expected to play. Akil Witherspoon is also hurt for them now. And on top of the injuries they already have, like Debo Samuel's already on IR. So I don't know. It could be tough sledding for the 49ers in this first couple of weeks. Yeah, um, 
fortunately for them, they have the Jets on Sunday. So, I mean, that's a that's a good opponent that you want to kind of build some some momentum going up against. Um, the Sunday night cap, we have the we had the LA Rams. Um, they have a beautiful stadium, by the way. That stadium is nice. Um, they took on the Dallas Cowboys. I told B. Jones, I said, this game is going to end in dramatic fashion. I said, before it starts, I said, it's going to end with some drama. Um, Bink, I know you're a Cowboys fan, so I'm sorry, man. Um, it did end with a controversial um, pass interference call on Michael Gallup and Jalen Ramsey towards the end of the game. Um, but let's not act like the Cowboys didn't have a chance to tie this one up. Um, they ended up going forward on a critical fourth down. And they could have just took the points and tied the game up. Um, but, I mean, it's an aggressive play call. You know, that's one of those things, you know, if you convert on it, you get a lot of praise. If you don't, then, you know, that's what people are going to point to. Um, final score in this game is 20-17. to 17. Um, The Cowboys early on, they had no answer for Robert Woods. <laughs> like, when I, on that opening drive, I was like, yo, Robert Woods might have 200 yards the way it was looking. Um but solid game for the Rams. Um, Malcolm Brown um, led the team in carries. Um, that's going to be interesting dynamic with those running backs when they drafted Cam Akers. Um, but we'll see, man. I expect the Cowboys to bounce back. Zeke had a solid game. That had that had an alright game too. Um, they did lose Leighton Van Der Esch and, and Blake Jarwin in this game, though. So that's something to keep an eye on. Leighton Van Der Esch expected to miss six to eight weeks. Blake Jarwin out for the year. So we'll see. Um, how those injuries affect Dallas. Um, but what are you guys' thoughts on this game? So I'm not going to sit here and act like that pass interference loss of the game. One thing I'm going to say is if we had Jay, we're not going forward on that fourth down. We're kicked, but obviously the pass on Jared Goff missed a couple holdings on Aaron Donald. Um, Cowboys just made a lot of mistakes. And you can't win like that if you're going to make that many mistakes in the game. Um, yeah. Hey, Jones? Yeah, so I was interested to see how the Rams would look this game after retooling their offense. And I was interested to see how um, the Cowboys offense and the defense would look with all the new pieces they were added. So uh, I think the Rams look solid. Uh, we saw Jared Goff get back to his roots with the play action. I think that was something that they didn't really have uh, success with last year because Todd Gurley wasn't Todd Gurley anymore and they were trying to force the ball to him, but he wasn't really a threat. So that play action wasn't really opening up to Jared Goff. But uh, we saw him spreading the ball around well. Uh, Malcolm Malcolm Brown looked good, so the offense was moving the ball. Defense looked solid as well. Um, I think the Cowboys will be fine. It's definitely a game they should have won. Um, you can talk about that pass interference. You can talk about the fourth down uh, decision to go for that they got stopped on. But I think CD look good. Alden Smith look good. I think they don't, they'll only need like nine wins, maybe ten wins to win their division. So yeah, yeah. So I think the I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. Um, Monday night we had a doubleheader. We had the Steelers and the Giants. Um, we can go through these real quick. A yeah. final score in that Steelers game was 26 to 16. Um, they bottled up Saquon Barkley the entire game. Um, he didn't even have positive yardage um on the ground. And then um 
Steelers offense, it looked all right, man. This game was it had a weird flow though. It had a weird flow. Like it just had a weird flow. Um they did get Juju involved. He scored a couple of times. Um Steelers defense though, man, good as expected. And that's what pretty much led them to win this game. Yeah, I didn't see this game, so I'm gonna sit this one out. All right. Um, what Im- what impressed me about the Giants was, like you said, Saquon had negative yards on the ground, and they were still in this game, even in the fourth quarter. But then Daniel Jones throws, which throws up into it looked like seven Steelers defenders in the red zone, and that was ultimately the interception and the mistake that sealed them the game. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, and the final one, we had the Titans and the Broncos, man. This is a game that me and B Jones picked incorrectly. Um, but for reasons not really involved in the game, Von Miller um, is out for the season. The best player on the Broncos is out for the season. Um, they also didn't have Cortland Sutton um, in this game. Um, but the final score in this one, man, was 16 to 14. It got really, really interesting, man. Um, Steven Goskowski, he almost, he almost blew this game. He almost blew this game, man. I, want, I actually. I want to give more credit to the Broncos more so than the Tennessee Titans. I mean, Derrick Henry ran the ball effectively, but the Broncos, they were able to stay above water, man. And that's that's honestly good to see because, I mean, like I had them as my sleeper team this year. But if they can, you know, stay competitive in these games, sort of like last year, I think they can get some of those breaks to go their way and ultimately win. I mean, next week they should get Corlin Sutton back which would be a boost to their offense. But um, Jerry Judy was solid. Noah Fant, he looked good, especially in the first half. Um, Phillip Lindsay does have turf toe, but they still have Melvin Gordon to rely on as far as running the football. I think the Broncos will be all right, man. The Titans, they honestly should have lost this one. I kind of look at it as a, a kind of a loss for them. But um, in the win column, they do get a W in the Broncos, though. So final score, 16-14. Yeah, this was an ugly game all around. Uh, you had the Broncos miscues, uh, the Melvin Gordon fumble. Uh, they got stopped on the one-yard line. And then uh, Vic Fangio had questionable time management on that last drive for the Titans, which ended up them getting the ball back with 17 seconds left to try to get through points. But, I mean, the Titans, they should have if, – if Steven Gorkowski made his field goals, they should have won this game comfortably. But um, yeah, it was just an ugly all-around game. I like I like what I saw from uh, Jerry Judy's route running. Um, he had a few key drops. I think if he caught that last pass uh, towards the end of the game, the Broncos would have been able to seal it. But um, I'll be interested to see what this offense looks like with Court and Southern back. You got Judy. He didn't. Uh, he was just getting open on his routes off the line all night. So you add Court and Southern back to that. I'll be interested to see what this offense looks like. Let's move on to week two predictions. Real quick, let's go quick, guys. Um, we got the Browns and the Bengals. I'm going to take Cleveland. I got the Browns. If Cleveland loses, I'm taking Cleveland, but if Cleveland loses, something's going to have to go. I agree. Um, Sunday slate, um, we got the Jaguars taking on the Titans. I'm going to take Tennessee. I got the Titans. I'm also taking the Titans. Okay, next game, Panthers, Buccaneers. I'm going to take the Bucks. The Buccaneers can't really afford to go 0 2. Um, the Panthers are in a rebuild mode. Their defense is bad. Um, I still think they put up some points, though, but I got the Bucks winning this one. Got the Bucks. I got the Buccaneers, but in a close one. 
next game, I'm kind of torn. Um, Broncos Steelers. Kind of, I kind of want to go Broncos. I'm gonna take the Broncos. Yeah, I think Broncos gotta get this one. I'm taking the Broncos, especially because I think they're gonna get Corlin Sutton back this week. Mm-hmm. All right, next game, Rams Eagles. Um, I'm gonna take Philly in this one. And they do get Miles Sanders and Lane Johnson back, but I would not be surprised if the Rams do get this one. I got the Rams. I'm taking the Rams to have Aaron Donald. Okay. Uh, I see why. Um, Next game, 49ers-Jets. I'm going to take the Niners. 49ers, easy. 49ers, blowout. Next game, Bills-Dolphins. I'm going to take Buffalo. Got the Bills. Buffalo. Next game, Vikings Colts. Mm. This is kind of interesting. Um, I'm going to take the Vikings though. I don't even know who to pick. This is a toss up. It really is. I don't trust Philip Rivers or Kirk Cousins. And give me the Colts. Both defenses play horrible week one. I'm ah, this is I'm going to take the Colts too. Okay. Um, two all one teams, too. Uh, next game, Lions, Packers. Give me Green Bay. Packers. Packers as well. All right. Um, next game, Falcons at Cowboys. Mm. I'm going to take Dallas, though. I'm going to take Dallas. I think, I, think, I think the fact that the Falcons don't have corners is going to hurt them. But I think this game might be high scoring. I got a Cowboys. I'm taking the Cowboys, even though I'm not even confident in that. But the only thing is the Falcons start off slow. Next game, Giants at Bears. Hmm. I'm going to take the Bears. I'm going to take the Giants. Um, I'm going to take the Giants as well. Next game, Washington football team, Arizona Cardinals. <sighs> mm. I don't oh this is tough this is tough because this is one of those games that I could see going either way um I'm gonna take Washington yeah. uh, I got Arizona but it depends I could see Washington like coming out dominant defensively but I think if Arizona is able to put up points early I don't think they'll yeah, fold. Yeah, can't recover. Yeah, I don't think they'll fold like Philly folded. I'm going to take the Cardinals just because I feel like they can actually move the ball in offense. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington wins, but Washington's going to have to create some turnovers just like they did against Philly. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs, Chargers. I'm taking the Chiefs. Chiefs, easy. Chiefs. This is the worst matchup for the Chargers. It is. Um, you got a quarterback that doesn't really put up points, and you got Arguably one of the best to ever do it. Um, I'm taking the Chiefs as well. Ravens, Texans. Give me the Ravens. 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 Deshaun Watson going to have to run for his life again. (laughs) Um, Patriots, Seahawks. I'm going to take Seattle. I'm going to just pick the Patriots just for upset sake. But I, uh, uh, yeah. 
I have much faith in it, but I think the Patriots. Okay. Make what you got. All right. Um, Saints Raiders. Uh, where the Patriots, they don't have those. All right. Uh, Monday night football, Saints Raiders. I'm going to take, hmm, I'm going to take the Saints, man, just based off of how their defense played. Um, I know Michael Thomas will be out, but give me the Saints. Yeah, I got the Saints as well. I'm going to take the Saints in a close one. All right. And that's just about it, man. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. I know it was a little bit of a long one, um, but it was cool, man. B. Jones and Bank, thank you guys so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate you guys' company, and I appreciate you guys' uh, time. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. All right, fellas. Um, to my audience, this is episode number 142. Mike Curry is signing out. Episode number 142 is done. Peace.